Welcome back. This is episode nine of the 1023 So Podcast. This episode is sponsored by absolutely nobody. Just like usual, except 1023so.com, where we sell parts for your 7.3 Power Stroke and some other stuff too. So if you're looking for parts and you're looking to upgrade your truck, and maybe before you even buy parts, if you don't know what you want exactly, if you're not 100% sure of exactly what you need for your truck, give us a call or shoot us an email before you spend a bunch of money and we'll try to make it give you the advice you need to make sure that the parts you buy are worth it so it's just going to be Vaughn and I and we're just going to chat I don't know what we're going to chat about we'll find out here in a minute you guys will find out probably as fast as we do so introducing hi this is Vaughn from 1023 Diesel and uh, this is my what second podcast here and uh, I always like to hear what you're going to come up with the intro. but uh, It's off the cuff, buddy. Nobody knows what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. What's, uh, what products are we brought to them by today? I don't know. How about a, let, an let, Edge CTS? Because those yes. things have been saving my butt recently. Those things are badass. They, they So, the CTS, the whole, like... The Edge uh, monitoring product line has kind of been evolving over the last several years. And I did, I, to me, my last experience in all of my trucks had CTS-2s. And they worked perfectly fine for me. I had zero problems with them. And so I, I honestly, I've used a CTS-3 for like 30 seconds. We've, used, we've sold a lot of them. I personally have not used one a lot. Almost everybody else has one. I do not have a CTS-3, haven't played with one, I should probably get one, but I have been very impressed with them, and probably, I mean, you can tell me from a data log standpoint, are they pretty decent? Oh yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say they're any different than the CTS-2s, other than I think they have a faster sample rate, or at least I've heard customers say that they can adjust it a little bit easier, Um, but it's also hard to say because most people that they're not coming from a CTS two, two or three, that's just their first time ever hearing or purchasing a CTS. Um, I know some of the customers have like multiple vehicles and some of them have different ones. And I do like that a lot of our customers that do already have one, they're already like, yeah, that's, that's just already what I'm going to do. This vehicle gets one, you know, um, especially if you're going to modify it and it's, it starts to become a really smart solution, not only just for data logging, but diagnostic and when you realize the cost of like a nice set of gauges and how much space they take up and for me i don't know if you ever drove truck with like a full pillar gauge but they really get in the way especially when like you're lifted and it's already hard to see the road because your viewpoint changes so it starts spacing everything out even farther because you're always looking a lot farther ahead and um they become even more annoying and don't get me wrong i still love them but the cost of a whole nice set of pillar gauges, right? So like an autometer or an ace pro or something like that. When you get like your four foot or your four pillar and then you still need something else on top of that, it ends up being a lot more cost effective to purchase a, a monitor like that. And then, um, get your gauge expansions for your pressure sensors and your temp sensors and stuff. It makes a lot of sense. And I think they look pretty clean. I mean, not as clean as a, a gauge pod array, I, I'd say, but I think you can do a really good job with them now. I'm uh, from the, the data log side. I'm really happy with the, the stuff that comes back. I mean, I haven't found any single device that just works the best, right? If people could send me IDS logs, I don't know if that's possible. I don't think it is, but um, if that would be a possibility, that would be awesome. Although, like, no customers have that. Even most of the shops um, that we deal with don't have it. But mm-hmm. um, auto ingenuity is good, but their time scale is a little bit strange and it's really hard for me to take the time to import that into like my tools to, to view them. Um, so I end up just like breaking out Excel and like drawing spreadsheets and stuff like that, but, um, like drawing graphs, but, um, the edge devices have been okay. Um, at least they're predictable at this point. At least if most of our customers have them, I know what I'm like looking for and I know what to tell the customer. They're very easy to predict and very easy to, to explain to somebody. They have plenty of resources. Their videos are pretty good, right? You can go to, at least they have them where you can actually go and follow how to get started and how to log with them, um, which takes a lot of load off of us. And um, 
like I said, they're, they're not perfect, but I haven't found a single device that is perfect, right? So, like, Torque Pro, some of their values are incorrect. Their throttle position, sometimes some of them come back okay. I, it's possible that I've been lied to this whole time, right, when I'm looking back at logs. But um, Auto Ingenuity, I know their accelerator pedal is not correct. Um, I know their temperatures are right, their mass fuel is right. Um, sometimes I think maybe customers have issues figuring out which um, pulse width PID is correct or... Um, I don't remember there being a whole lot, but I, I always find that customers give back logs from AE that just kind of strange. So, um, and I know you can't, well, you might be able to, but I don't remember being able to adjust the sample rate on those. But um, yeah, so anyway, just CTSs are, are great to do a lot of things with, including log, and at least they're predictable for me, and, and I can walk customers through that very easily and get logs back that um, are really easy to to pinpoint issues and work with customers with it's it's a lot less load you know a customer can just sit hook their you know it's already hooked up in the truck they can just hit record i can give them some idea of what i want what i'm looking for what pids to do they just hit record pull it inside their house hook it up to their computer or bring their laptop out to the truck or something and grab the log file off and they're done right um now I will say, so I have a, a CT, or sorry, an SCTX4 that I that pretty much got to me, got me where I am right now. But um, knowledge-wise and data logging-wise, and it's definitely not as easy. I like their like log viewing software a lot better, and that's pretty much what I use to view any logs with. I can just clean up their C, uh, CSV formats, and I can pull it into. Uh, live link and I can put little gauge overlays and a bunch of stuff that I can more easily track so I don't miss anything when I'm looking at especially like really long logs um but I don't think I've ever met anybody wanting to take the time to use their software to like build custom data logs and like play with the the configuration files but um it's one of the only ones that I've been able to get all of the the pids that I've ever wanted to look for um by playing with them. Now there's like hundreds and it's really hard to find the correct strategy and find the correct, um, PIDs that work for a given vehicle, but it's really helpful. Like I've seen start of injection timing, um, mass field desired, all of them read correctly according to the calculations that come out. Um, accelerator pedal, I can actually read analog digital counts so I can actually see the, the 80, uh, conversion, um, or at least know exactly what the PCM seeing, I don't have to worry about pedal voltage or anything because that's all obviously converted, right? You can't actually see pedal voltage. You have to know what the counts are to convert back to pedal voltage. So seeing counts tells me exactly what what pedal is at. So that's always nice. Obviously, ICP, IPR, those are never an issue, but that, the X4 is kind of ugly. I will give it that sitting up on your dash. Um, I think they're clean tools. I love the BDXs, um, but I don't think they do logs or anything like that, right? I think it's the same as an X4. You just have to use Live Link. Gotcha. Yeah, and, and I'm I definitely like Live Link. It's not the easiest tool to like jump into, but um, I do like it's it a not, lot for logging. It's not just not easy. It is not good <laughs> until you <laughs> figure it out. Yeah, it's definitely got a soft spot for me though, because I, I do have an older version of it, and I do like a lot of the stuff it does, especially viewing data logs. It's it's so smooth. Like if I really need to sit down and grind into a data log. Um, it's, it's my favorite tool to just throw up gauges and I'll, I'll spend 20, 30, 40 minutes on a single log, um, knowing that I'll have to do that anyway, but it's just so I don't miss anything. I can put all the gauges up and I can slowly track through and I can watch how things are reacting. I can see how mass fuel is reacting and pulse width and, and ICP. I can see all of the, the fueling controls and try and get an idea of, you know, what's, what could be off when adjustments can be made versus time and RPM and all that fun stuff. But, um, I think it makes it very easy to, to play with all that stuff compared to a bunch of tools that I've used that are out there. So, um, anyway, CTS, um, devices, I, I kind of like them all, even the old, like the CT, CTs or C, what, CS, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Those work okay. Yeah, the non, the, the non-touch screen. Yeah. I've had people send me logs back on those. I, I heard that you can't adjust them. So I, I'm not really sure if if they locked out the ability to, to pick what PIDs to select, but um, I have got logs back from those. Can't complain. Uh, CTS-2 is great. Same same logs. Um, and then the CTS-3s, I've heard. Um, and I've had, obviously, really good luck with them data logging-wise. So, can recommend. Yeah, and I was actually just 
while you were talking, I, I was pricing out the difference and what you get for the money. And this probably isn't totally fair. Uh, the Z series autometer gauges uh, are like the low end of the autometer ones. It looks like they, they work fine. They're, they're a black face with a, a black bezel and they have like white outlines. Uh, but they're not, they're not sexy for sure. Um, I, probably you going. my favorite. Yeah, no, they'll totally get you going. But I mean, honestly, like who's going to buy gauges to get them going? You're going to buy them once. And, but so I'm going to price out the cobalts cause it's kind of like a middle ground between something that's like really premium and something that's super cheap. They're very sexy. Uh, they're, they're black fade. This is just my opinion. I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to sell you shit, but like. I, I love the cobalts. Robert, as soon as I saw him, Robert yeah. had cobalts in his dually, and I fell in love with them. They they are yeah. they are beautiful, um, and so they're kind of middle ground price wise. But so for like a quad, uh, a quad pod, <laughs> and uh, and four gauges. So if you want to do like a, a parameter uh, trans temp uh, boost and. Um, I usually do fuel, fuel pressure. pressure. There you go. You're 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 gonna spend right at uh, about right around seven hundred and twenty ish dollars for that setup. And this is all autometer stuff. Is that including like your pillar and your wiring harness and all that stuff? Yeah, the har- the harness comes with each with each uh, with each gauge. Okay. So each gauge has its own individual harness, which is it's cool, but like honestly, like. When you compare that to how easy it is to install a CTS, uh, when you just literally you plug a CTS in the OB2 port, and then you run one single starter kit through the firewall, and then everything else daisy chains off of it, you're not wiring shit. You're just plugging shit in. That's it. Like yeah, it's it's there's really no comparison there. But like, let's say that wasn't into consideration. The price wise. There's about a it's it's seven so the CTS three with uh and this is what I usually recommend going with is Edge's um their competition kit it's the uh, the part number is the nine eight six one seven that is the it comes with the the uh, parameter it comes with the starter kit it comes with a zero to hundred psi pressure gauge and then it comes with a temp sensor from I think it's 30 to 260 degrees. Let me see here. Negative 40 to 300 degree temp sensor. And then what they call their universal five volt. So you like basically with the way the, the CTS system works is um, you can connect one sensor to the starter kit, which is usually the EGT probe. And so like if you buy an EGT probe, it's a $127 and that comes with the starter kit and then the one probe. And then to add any additional sensors, you have to buy the uh, universal 5-volt lead, which has two splitters, which means that once you buy that for $140 or whatever it is now, um, you can add two more sensors. You have to buy that plus two sensors uh, to fill it up. And then if you want to add two more sensors or one more sensor, you have to buy another 5-volt lead. And so it gets it, it saves almost $100 to buy the competition kit, and you get... Like I said, the starter kit, the EGT probe, the pressure sensor, and the temp sensor all in one. And which is great, it actually is cheaper than buying like a pressure probe plus a five volt lead plus an EGT probe. But most people don't need that temp sensor unless you're going to put it in like coolant or something that you don't have unless you're a manual um, through the OBT port. Uh, there's not a lot of need for that, even though it's cheaper and you get basically you're getting a sensor for, for free. Plus you save some money. So the competition kit does work nice, but so that's the way I price this out. But basically the CTS three with a competition kit is, uh, what did it come out to seven ninety eight ninety five uh, as of right now. And I, they're probably going to run some black Friday sales or something, but, and then the, the cobalt series and a four pod pillar to have fuel pressure, sort of the fuel pressure, trans temp, boost, and EGTs is like 730-something. And with the CTS, you get the ability to data log, which is very important. 
Like we basically need that. If you have a problem with the truck, we need that. And you get every single PID that your OBD2 port reports. So you do get some boost. It doesn't go past 20 pounds, but it's some. You get ICP, you get IPR duty cycle. Uh, you do get trans temp. Um, the only truck, I think the only trucks that don't report trans temp through the OB2 port are early 99s. OBSs do, excursions do, and late 99 and up, 7.3s do. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's only early 99s, and maybe I'm wrong about that, but I'm almost positive. Um, yeah, now I know they have the capability of it. I guess, yeah, maybe Edge doesn't support it right off the bat there. So do they have a configuration tool that you can play with loading either custom and or like a larger selection of PIDs to the device from a piece of software? I don't think so. The only way you can do that is through, like if you add a sensor, you can configure like the scaling for that sensor. Uh, if you want to scale it differently than what they recommend. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think that's really a thing anymore. I know that like in the past, uh, a couple years ago with the CTS-2, some of the sensors on some trucks, they, the scaling wasn't right when you added like one of their EAS devices. Mm -hmm. And so you had to sit there and you had to modify the whole thing uh, to get it to work correctly. But I, I don't think that's a problem anymore. I'm pretty sure anymore you just pretty much add it. Whenever you add one of their sensors, you just plug it in and restart the device and it, and it works. So, But I, they don't have any sort of like actual like manually scaling your own um your own sensors and okay. maybe early 99s are covered now, but I remember a couple of years ago, uh, last time I should say last time I tried on an actual early 99 stock, everything truck, um, I couldn't get trans stamp to read from the OE2 port. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true or not. doesn't matter. Point is for another, like what? 60 bucks. You get everything you get with the mechanical gauges, plus the available data log, plus ICP, plus IPR, uh, plus your gear selection, plus where the converters lock, uh, plus the ability to read and clear codes, plus the ability to watch all of that live. Like, I don't really see the point anymore of running mechanical gadgets. But to be really honest, yeah. on like a daily driver truck, it doesn't make sense to me. So, yeah. Other than I still like them, like, and I think they look cool, and I think they're sometimes a lot easier to look at at a glance. Right, so yeah. if you're, you're, it's real quick to see a pyro or something. Of course, I know the edges. You can make them like really big and right in the center, and they change colors and stuff. So that, that I guess doesn't count. Um, but it is you get. I think you get really used to at least in my my condition where I'm I'm used to the position of the gauges, and I know, like I can know just by looking over real fast if you know something's out of whack, right, or, or EGTs are climbing or something like that, just by quick glance or, or just seeing it out of the corner of my eye. So that's. Definitely one thing I like versus like trying to look down at the the screen. I know it's just in X4 is nowhere near that, but um, to keep enough PIDs to make it useful, but also like big enough where I can read them is still tough. <laughs> but um, yeah, once you pile you're not like looking at those PIDs on one little screen, it, you can't. Yeah. You're not going to recognize everything immediately what it is. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and when you got gauges, you can at least, you can just look at them and, and wherever they're pointing, you can kind of assume where it's at if you're familiar with your gauge setup. But, um, yeah, I mean, I can't say I won't do it anymore because I still do like gauges, um, but uh, th that definitely makes a lot more sense, I think, for a lot of people. And so, yeah, also I want to say, uh, if you're just confused as I am of, like, what kits you need and what breakout harnesses and all that stuff, you should call the store or send us an email and uh, those guys can walk you through. <laughs> What uh, what kits you need, what sensors, and all that stuff for your, uh, to make a, a comparable pack for your gauge packs. Actually, um, do you have anything like that, or would it even be worth it of doing something like that on the store where it's like, here's your gauge replacement kit, where you have all the sensors in one setup where they could just pick it all up at once. <laughs> that just brought up like an idea. I'm going to see if don'tbuygages.com is available. <laughs> <laughs> Just edge ad. Joe Oram would hate me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we could probably do that. Um, that's actually like, I guess that kind of leads to one thing. I'll, I'll point out one thing before I move on. Uh, I'm going all ADD here. The When we say this episode is sponsored by X product. In this case, the CTS-3. We kind of brought that up. We said brought to you by. Don't worry. 
brought to you by yeah that's that is our choice and something that we believe works very well we are not being paid by any company and honestly uh if any company ever does i don't think they have yet ask to pay for us to like sponsor a product or to review a product or something uh, i'm going to refuse just so you know so this isn't actually sponsored by it is just our opinion based on the things we've seen day to day with these trucks moving on from that i will point out one more thing that's pretty cool obviously like a lot of you have you see the front end of like the things that finally come to fruition uh on our website or the podcast or the videos or you know, phone calls, the emails or whatever. And I think you would be amazed at the things we can't tell you or don't have time to explain that are coming or that we work on that, ne- that haven't come to fruition yet or never do because it's not possible where we're at. Um, but any of the stuff that's, that's worth it, we do try to put out there. So one thing I want to mention too is if – and, and then there's a whole podcast coming up about this uh, in the next, I don't know, let's say let's say month um, that uh, is going to be with Robert, the my partner. He's one of the other. He's the other owner uh, of 1023 uh, talking about um, tire size and gear ratios and torque converters and how all of those need to play together. Uh, really with tuning and injectors and turbos and everything else to have a good setup when you're done. And one of the things we have right now is we have the uh, tool section. So if you're on the mobile, just hit the up on the top left corner of your phone, there's a little hamburger menu. And we have a tools uh, category. Or if you're on the desktop, it's on the top main navigation menu, like up on the very, very top bar. Uh, under the or 1023diesel.com slash tools. Or that. Yeah, whatever. So don't be all technical. We've got a, a, a it's called a vehicle to engine speed calculator uh, that Vaughn built. It's just a, it's, it's a very, very neat calculator to be able to put in your, the gear ratio, the tire size, uh, and, uh, you know, fuck all that. So, you explain it, Vaughn. You built it. Yeah. So that tool was more or less, I mean, it, it's kind of just like what every other website has. I think it may be a little bit easier. It's, it's at least directed towards the 4Rs and the E4s that we have, um, for at least the way it's set up. But the idea is um, I made it, and it's been very helpful for a lot of our customers, um, where uh, you can type in your tire size and uh, gear ratio. I mean, most of those are set already, knowing that the most common uh, gear ratio is 373 and um, uh, your overdrive upshift is where it's defaulted to. So at about, I believe I have it set to 60 miles an hour default. You can change all of those parameters. So what it does is you punch in your tire size in inches and it, it, it tells you what to do and it converts it all. And it tells you what your engine RPM is going to be at the given shift point. And like I said, it's default to about 60. Um, and it'll give you basically a before and after overdrive because that's the most common. And it's also the only way we can actually accurately predict because um in third gear and overdrive are really the most common places where your torque converter is going to be locked and that's the only time you're going to have a one-to-one um engine coupling so um i've given the the one-to-one that would be your your direct so your third gear with torque converter locked uh engine rpm output at uh at that mile per hour mark with that tire size and gear ratio and so you can change those for your vehicle and it'll spit out, essentially, I built it to be a before and after overdrive shift. So um, if, if I say I want your, your half pedal to be at 60 miles per hour with a, a 31 and a half inch tire and a 373 gear, right? Um, you punch that in and output will be the engine RPM before the overdrive shift and after the overdrive shift. And that's more or less the most common uh, question as well, because... Um, I think it's a bit of a misconception how early you want your overdrive shift to be. And a lot of people get used to how early, I think this is what it is anyway, how early the overdrive shift is. Um, and it's more or less a pipe dream for these engines to be making power below 1800 RPM reliably and cleanly and um, just well. And, you know, we could go into detail of that all day. But um, 
you know, when I, when I give a customer a link to that and they can punch it in, they can actually see what I'm talking about when I say this is what I want your engine RPM to be minimum after the shift, right? So I say if you're a half pedal, um, you know, I don't want your overdrive shift. I don't want you to be below 1800 RPM because it's just going to choke everything out, at, you know, for lack of better explanation there. Um, I want your shift to happen and you still be in an RPM range where your setup is meant to still make power in the way we built our tuning to still make power. And so after I explain that, they can punch that in. They can see where the third gear shift point is going to be and they can realize that it's it's necessary for what they want. Um, and I think it helps a lot. So, yeah, that's... Um, one of the two tools I think that are up there right now um, that uh, I think is very helpful for customers. I actually just use that other tool again with that same customer that was talking about the fuel system. Um, so the other tool, and there's going to be plenty more to come, um, and I'm welcome to your suggestions as well. For calculating uh, the theoretical maximum amount of fuel flow that a given injector body size for a standard rating, that is, so the way it's industry standard rating of um, uh, how many cc's of fuel an injector can inject over 1,000 injection events. Um, so using that standard, you can punch in your injector body size, and it'll spit out in all the calculation levels the theoretical maximum amount of fuel um, at a theoretical 100% duty cycle at 3,500 RPM those injectors will cons consume, um, and then convert that into uh, uh, gallons per minute and then gallons per hour, right? So you can take that number and you can go find a fuel pump that's matched for that setup, right? Obviously, you want to match it. We could go into detail on that as well. But at a very minimum, you want to take that number um, and match it to what that uh, fuel pump is capable of at its rated duty cycle of, say, 90% or higher um, at the pressures that we operate at, um, say, about 65 PSI, right? Over 60. Um, and you want to match that to that theoretical maximum. And then you know, for the most part, you're never going to run out of fuel. Um, so that's just one of the two tools um, that we have up on the tool section. And like I said, there's definitely more to come. Um, they're not too terribly difficult to set up, but um, just getting them all laid out, you know, is still something uh, I'm working on. So, Well, the, the function is the important part. Uh, and I, I guess it is kind of hard to understand a little bit like what you need to input, but it my understanding of the way that you built the tool is it doesn't matter what you input. You can, you can change any one of the variables and get the output. So if you want to change the gear ratio or the target RPM or the tire size, uh, any one of those will change the variable. So it's not like you have to change like one or, you know, any given thing. Right. Well, it does not, also, uh, you can't, put in a target RPM, it, it only works the other way around. So it spits out RPM values just because that was the simplest way to make it. Having it go the opposite way just makes things a little bit more complicated. I, I may consider doing that yeah. in the future if that makes sense, meant, but it's usually easier. Go ahead. I meant target mile per hour. Sorry. That's what's yeah. listed. Uh, mm -hmm. But essentially, like I, you know, and this is something I have a discussion with a lot, a lot of people when we do build calls uh, with the build plans is you have to know, like, like, like it's not, and I, I don't want to go too far into it because we do have an entire episode dedicated to this that's coming up. But, and, and, and honestly, that episode isn't going to mean much unless you watch it on our YouTube channel uh, because I'm going to have graphs posted that are going to help make more sense of it. But you have to know, like, let's say you... In general, for most setups, you're going to want to run towing, like in order to stay like in the efficiency range of your charger, of your turbo. Uh, you're going to want to be in the, at a minimum, like 2,000 to 2,100 RPMs. You really don't want to be below that. You're not going to have uh, any kind of HET control if you're lower than that range. Yeah, and so a lot of people are going to run like... Range and... Go ahead. Sorry. A lot of times, like, you know, the uh, 31, or sorry, the the below 2,000 RPM, 2,100 range, you are not going to be able to build uh, enough boost. You're not going to get your turbo spinning fast enough to clean up any amount of fuel, um, especially in overdrive where it's going to be slower to accelerate. So when you're in third gear, let's say you're one-to-one, 
and you are accelerating. You're going at, at the same mile per hour acceleration rate, your RPMs are going to climb faster than they would if you were in overdrive. So I think what's kind of like misconstrued is like, sure, you could like, like it's good to be able like, that's the point of the overdrive button, right? Just to kick it out of overdrive. Uh, and that's handy to have. It's very nice to have because there's no way we can build tuning that's going to fit everyone's needs or wants, depending on their gear ratio, their tire size, their how far they're in the pedal, how fast their turbo responds, uh, to be able to downshift really, fast enough to accelerate. But yeah, I mean, we're really need... talking about mechanical. Sorry. Right, and like I mean, like on a, you could probably do a, a great job of explaining like the mechanical understanding of it, and that's fine. If you want to get into that, go for it. But yeah, I mean, well, we're talking like, about mechanical I, limitations. So like tuning can't compensate for mechanical limitations just because of, well, torque and physics and all that fun stuff. Totally. But like at the end of the day, I guess the thing I want people to understand, and this is only just one point of thousands, is you're going to accelerate faster in third than you will in overdrive with the same setup at the same pedal position or at the higher pedal position, pedal position, but your RPMs are going to climb faster. You're going to like lose. You're going to get out of efficiency faster in third gear than you will in overdrive. So, I guess the point of that is like we want the point of this tool is to get you to where you will be at a good RPM, wherever speed you're towing, with whatever tire size you have. You need to set up your gear ratio to be in efficiency range doing that. So, I don't know. It, it, there's so many assets to, or so many like aspects to how this works together. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, it, it, and I definitely can't break that down into a simpler's part because my my head's stuck in you know engineering physics land. But um, it also does help me pick your shift points because the reality is, uh, you know, you'll get into an argument more than anything with a customer when you tell them they should change their gear ratio instead of telling me to just move their shift point around. Um, mm-hmm. And in reality, right, so we've had this discussion at the, the simplest level, uh, there's a certain amount of work, right, in the sense of physics work that needs to be done to move the vehicle, um, should say, to, to get a vehicle to a certain speed. And you do that by accelerating, right? And the only way you're going to accelerate um, is, by, uh, is with torque, right? So you have a fixed mass, your vehicle weighs a certain amount, um, and to achieve acceleration rates... Uh, you know, assuming that that's what you're after, right? To, in all cases, that's that's likely what it is, um, is acceleration rate. And so, uh, since you're talking about rotating uh, uh, lever arms, right? Your tires and your your axles and your drive shaft and and uh, rotating assembly and all that fun stuff. Um, you're talking about torque, right? Rotational force. And to achieve acceleration. Um, you need to have a certain amount of rotational force on your tires uh, to move you forward, right? So if the the work isn't changing and the torque is changing because you change your tire size, then your acceleration rate has to go down, right? So to achieve the same acceleration rate, you have to adjust your uh, that torque number so you can calculate it all the way back from your engine to the lever arm being your tire to the ground, right? So you want to match that gear ratio with the transmission ratio and... Uh, the engine, assuming most of the time we're going to be talking about a locked converter, because an unlocked converter is very unpredictable. And I'll explain that in a second, um, without going into too much depth, because I know that's for another episode. But um, the idea is, if you change one part of that that ratio, right, from final drive to engine, right, what the torque is going to be at the wheels from what it, the engine's making, right, Um you need to match that. So if you change your tire size, you want to change the next logical thing to change because you're not changing your transmission ratios um, would be your gear ratio. Uh, otherwise, you're talking about engine RPM differences is, is the only part where that comes back, where you can make up the loss in, in torque is by having the engine produce more torque, right? So you're going to be in the pedal more to produce the same acceleration rates. Because um, like I, I mentioned, the work is not changing. So, with an unlocked torque converter, this becomes very cumbersome when people put big tires on, because to achieve the same acceleration rate, torque converters go, that's no problem. 
we'll just make up the torque by dropping RPM. So torque converters make torque by the change and the, the simplest form by the change in RPM from input to output. So the larger the torque output, the larger the RPM drop from input to output, which makes things really complicated when we talk about lockup smoothness. Um, we talk about not running into rev limiter because we really only have 33 to 3600 RPM to play with and most customers aren't really comfortable with that either. So that, that limits a lot of the range we have. And when you're talking about an unlocked torque converter, there's only so much we can do. And uh, the next logical thing is either lock it soon and drop your RPM very low to where you're not in a range to, to make good power. Um, or uh, we end up upshifting you early to keep the ratios down, right? So when you upshift, you're dropping the ratio from input to output um, to... Uh, make up for the, the the RPM drop across the torque converter and, and still try to get your vehicle accelerating, right? <clears throat> so that becomes very complicated, and to explain that to a customer, right, it just took me five minutes or maybe more to explain that, and explaining that to ten people in a single day, you know, when they put big tires on it, and to tell them they need to drop however much money in a rear end and all the work that it takes to replace the gears, it's it's likely not the case. And we try our best, but there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to um, what how much we can do in tuning because it's all mechanical, right? If the engine can only make good torque in a certain RPM range and we can't operate in that range because you've decided to change your tire size, uh, we can't make up for that, right? It's all mechanical limitations. We can't change the ratios in your transmission. Um, obviously, we do that by shifting. Um, and... You know, we can still only make your torque converter so smooth, and we can only, we're still trying to fight uh, rev limiter, um, and we're still trying to make good power and not overheat your trans because you're running in an uh, unlocked torque converter state so long, depending on your situation. Um, or we're locking you too early, you're dropping RPM, you're fighting EGTs and smoke to still make power, right? And there's there's only so much we can do with that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, when we're talking about ratios, right, when we go back to the difference in engine RPM, right, um, we're talking, again, talking about ratios. To achieve a certain acceleration rate, um, you're going to have an acceleration rate of engine speed as well, right? Um, because it's all essentially one-to-one. -one. Um, there's a relationship, there's a ratio between vehicle speed or vehicle acceleration to engine speed, engine acceleration. Um, and so the larger the, the ratio between engine to uh, rear drive, the larger the acceleration rate of your rotating assembly, essentially. You're going to be moving through your RPM range a lot faster um, at a lower ratio. Um, but you also still have you have the torque of that ratio to do the work to get you moving. But once you're already moving, there's a difference in torque... Um, sorry, a difference in work that needs to be done to accelerate you any further. I think you might have just mind-blown me and everyone else. <laughs> I mean, maybe I should but jump that, on that other podcast, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> more of this can be explained later. So the, the <clears throat> and this is where it's so complicated because this comes down to to every every aspect of trying to decide what parts go into trucks. And honestly, this is what's so frustrating about I I I've got no problem with. People asking questions, uh, or not, or not knowing, or, or reading something that is incorrect. I, I really don't have a huge problem with that, because I'm glad that someone would rather do the research ahead of time before asking. I, I cannot tell you how many times uh, people have have talked to me about a setup they want to build that they've spent the last three years researching before they built it. And I have total respect for that because you want to know ahead of time. And when it's not your job, it's very difficult to, to find, get information. You're, you're going to put the time in when you're off, but you know, when you're off like work, trying to like make money to feed your family. Um, but there's so much like bad information out there too. And it's, it's frustrating only on the side that, you can't explain every detail of what goes into this. Like, like, I mean, yeah, you, I can't you, sit you, somebody you just... down and take them through like a college physics or a set of physics courses that got me to where I'm at, right? Or an engineering program or, 
something that gets somebody to what we know to be able to explain that at a minimum, right? You need to understand math, to understand physics, to understand this, to understand that, for me to then uh, explain to you why this makes sense, right? Especially when it comes to tuning, right? But even the right injector size and 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 uh, when you pick a the right setup, like for turbo and injectors and you know, if you get even farther to like head design and, and headers and stuff like that, right? But you're talking about volumetric efficiency of the engine, right? And how that's going to change because in the simplest form, like naturally aspirated engines, your VE is, is you're talking about gassers, you're kind of going back and forth between your intake, your heads, your combustion chambers, your valves, um, your exhaust, your all the way down to your manifolds, to how long the pipes are, to where your collectors are set. All of that affects engine VE, but in a natural sense, when you build an engine, they're, they're testing how this, where the displacement curve happens um, in a naturally aspirated situation, right? Just where your heads are. And so um, on dynos, they show your peak torque is where your engine or your entire setup, right? So if it's NA, where um, your intake, your manifolds, your heads, your cam, uh, your valves, uh, your combustion chambers, your ports, uh, everything comes into play. And where your peak torque is at is where your volumetric efficiency is at its peak right? Um, but when you go start adding turbos to it, um, and in different injection setups, when you're talking about diesels, right, all of those things can affect where uh, volumetric efficiency and essentially where your peak torque is going to be. Um, and that's extremely important, especially for most of our customers being they're not doing heads, they're not doing head jobs, they're not doing cams, they're not doing valve jobs. Um, they're not doing headers. They're not doing crazy intake setups. Um, well, we kind of have like the simplest intakes you could possibly put on just a hole and a little bit of a distribution plenum. Um, but realistically, you're just shooting directly into the intake ports. Um, and all of that affects VE, right? Our intercoolers, charge air temps, uh, intake air temps where people go putting um, hot air intakes realistically. Um, and I've seen tons of logs. It's fun looking back at uh, air intake and charge air temp logs if, if somebody has them in there. And I can see mm -hmm. how hot everything starts to get. I can see them pull up to a light because temps will start going from ambient air temps. They'll start creeping up. I'll see 100, 120, 130, 140 intake air temps. And uh, all of that makes a difference. Um, it, it may not be insane, but uh, at, the, at a very minimum, when you change your turbo setup, you're changing your volumetric efficiency because all of that is important to the engine because where the turbo starts making where, where it becomes efficient in making torque um, for the engine uh, changes the it's only doing that by changing the volumetric efficiency of the entire from intake to exhaust right um, and so that's going to move your peak torque around and the bottom line of this being your peak torque number is changing based on everything. Uh, that you're putting in it. Injectors, turbo, uh, cam heads, exhausts, uh, even after turbo exhaust can make some some difference. I mean, ideally, your turbo consumes all of the energy in the exhaust gases. It's not the case, but that's the idea, right, to turn it into intake energy. Um, but um, bottom line being, your peak torque number is moved, and the torque curve is changing because of all of those parts you put on. In a lot of different ways, in, in injector spray patterns, in injector nozzle sizes, and atomization levels, and the um, uh, port turbulence and uh, bowl turbulence, and all kinds of fun, crazy stuff. But um, yeah, now I can't remember exactly where I was trying to wrap that back around to. But yeah, and and I I I think that I think that information is good. And I think everybody needs to hear it. But. Oh, yeah. Being able to explain day, that to people. Down, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's got to come down basis. to a very simple answer. Because, yeah. I mean, you'll, you'll like, like most people are just, they're just like, I want some more power from my truck, you know? And like, how do you, how do you define that? You know, like. How do you say, like, these injectors, this turbo will make more power from your truck? Well, fucking anything will, you know? Yeah. Um, it's... Except for 100% nozzles not as... on an A-code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Talk crap about those all day, but... <laughs> Don't get me started, bro. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, like, let, let me give you an example, okay? So, uh, and we got to finish this up here. I'm trying to not go, like, super, super long on these. But it mm-hmm. just, especially when Vaughn's on here, it can go forever. Uh, and it's always interesting. Um, so, one, one, of the, one of the build plans I had today, which, by the way, if you are looking to build your truck and you do want advice on it, uh, we do offer a service completely free. I don't expect you to buy from us because of it. I don't expect anything out of it. But what I want is people to understand, and I will do my best to explain in the amount of time we have, what it takes to build your truck from the ground up with the parts that are going to get you something you're happy with. At least as good as we can possibly do. You can go to 1020thereason.com and go to plan your build. It's one of the main tabs on our website. You can fill it out with all your truck info, and uh, and then after that, you hit submit form and schedule your call, and you get 30 minutes on the phone with me, nothing else, 100% you're my attention, and we'll try to go through, and it usually goes long. Honestly, everybody who's been on a build call probably knows it ends up being late. I'm, I'm late to almost every meeting <laughs> because I run over on the previous meetings, but uh, what I want it, at the end of the day is like I want everyone to understand what it takes to build your truck and how like how parts work together. And, and I can't go into the depth that Vaughn can. I, I can't. Like honestly, he knows more than I do, and uh, and I know more a lot more than I'm ever going to tell you. So it's way deeper than you're than I'm going to be able to explain in 30 minutes. This is and you have years to and hope years that and, you can. Explain it in a way that a customer is going to trust you, and um, because you're trying to get people answers quick enough, but still be able to explain it. I mean, I get it. You spend—I was on the phone with that customer for almost 40 minutes today, um, and it happens when it's just one person. That's okay, but when you get phone calls on top of it, and on top of it, and on top of it, and you're on the phone for hours and hours, and um, because you're trying to explain that stuff to people, I'm not very good at cutting it short, especially when it's something I'm still like learning right so like how new injectors are performing and um how we're gonna go about changing some stuff and how we're gonna start moving forward and what i've seen but don't have like true answers yet because it's still coming through like that i don't have the ability of explaining very easily but i'm very happy that you have that set up now and uh especially since we have uh thomas and everybody else working um in support whatever but I can just at least tell customers, hey, if you have more in-depth questions, set up a build call or um, give one of those guys a call and, and they'll be able to walk you through it. Um, or at least call the parts department. I'm just the tuning guy. So it's definitely nice to have that now. And I'm, I'm very happy that uh, customers definitely take advantage of that. Just a tune guy. That's all you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about side projects earlier and, and how things may or may not come to fruition and what anybody ever sees but um yeah just just being the tune guy is very far from everything that's either a side project there ever has been a side project there is a future project or how things evolve um and yeah most of you will out. never know most of you will never know what is going on in the background uh and even when incredible things happen most of you will never understand what just happened <laughs> like let's be honest and I get that too. I'm the same way. I see things happen all the time where I'm just like, ugh, ugh, why does this tool, why does this fucking website not do what I want it to do? And I'm yeah. like, and I've had this conversation with you. I'm like, I'm like, why can't, why, we're, it's 2020, man. Why can't this thing just fucking work? And you're like, dude, don't be stupid. This is because of this and this and this and this and this. And then yeah. I'm like, oh. And it's not even that. Like, there's so many <laughs> things that, yeah, there's so many things that I've jumped into and, and learning, like, well, there has to be, I, I've, I've opened my eyes a lot in the past, like, eight or nine months um, of understanding how much goes into so many things and how, you know, computers and everything else just barely work. And uh, there's plenty of good videos out there to discuss that, but um, I definitely think it's entertaining to think about, uh, yeah, how, how things barely work and... Uh, how much detail goes into the technology we have and how much has been built on top of it. Right. I mean, the, the, the trucks that we're working on right now, right. The processors and everything inside them uh, were built back in the eighties. Right. It's really low, uh, uh, really low level 
uh, assembly code that was written on these ROMs that's running in all these vehicles. And um, it's, it's just old school stuff that's eventually been built on and built on. And when you talk about like modern computers and stuff, um, there's so much detail that goes into little things, um, yet the amount of stuff that can come out of it. And, you know, one of the, the things that frustrate me the most when people say it's it's 2020 or it's it's this date, why we, we've come so far in technology, we can, you know, send somebody to space and then bring the rocket booster back down, land it on a, a, a boat and then launch it again 10 times over, right? But we can't make a button pop up in the right space. And I think a lot of it does come down to like, if you're talking about open source projects, then you got people that need to put the time into it because they want to. Um, there's no other incentive, right? And or if it is paid, right, there's a lot of things that go in the background that may not give the incentive to fix or, or do those certain things and or the people that built it just abandon it or they never had that that idea or something along those lines. But yeah, one of the things that frustrates me the most is is the dates, right, being that it's this date, why don't we have this technology? But realistically, there's a lot of things that have been moved, built on top of that really shouldn't exist anymore, right? One of the things like, you know, I get frustrated about x86 and stuff like modern computer architectures, how we've, we've been working on computer systems that were built in like the 60s and 70s, and we're still using it today. Believe it or not, a lot of the stuff that everybody uses every day was built that long ago. Um, and obviously, including our trucks, they all run on computers and software that was designed and engineered 20 years before the vehicles were, um, in some respect, at least. But um, Yeah, bro, but I just want to tune my truck and put injectors in it. It should run perfect. Why the fuck can't you figure that out? <laughs> well, there, there'll kidding. be a way, hopefully soon, someday, that customers can do that themselves. And hopefully we're the people that bring that to them. So, um, That's true. Hint, hint for the future. Um, no more on that. We're not going to talk about yeah. that anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyway, back to what I was saying. You can plan your build. I'll talk about it. If you want good info, keep listening to this. And frankly, we have to put it into it sometime because most of you don't have an hour to sit here and listen to what we're talking about to ramble. But thank you to those who do. Thank you to everyone who listens. <laughs> Especially, and, and like this is like a balance too. It's like, okay, I, I get to listen. I get to talk to Vaughn every day and be just like really absorbed in what he's saying about... 70% of the time and then totally lost. Well, okay. I listen intently uh, 80% of the time and I'm lost about 70% of that 80%. <laughs> so <laughs> I understand about 30% of what he's saying, but, uh, but I think it's good. Like, I, I think like it's a good, maybe a good way to understand like there's way more to this than what people actually grasp and, uh, and like why things aren't just like always perfect like you expect because that's what's yeah. advertised um but we'll keep having vaughn on here i 100 percent appreciate the time you put into this it's what uh probably midnight at your time right now 11 30 one o'clock in the morning we're yep. still doing this and uh and we'll get this edited up and posted up but i appreciate you guys 